The most successful and rewarding transitions from high school to college are achieved when students are open to exploration and excited about the discovery process. That's the mindset that cuts through the nonsense in the groupthink and allows them to go all in on choosing schools based on the factors that truly matter most. When called upon, I help them along the way. I'm Brian Eldridge, founder of Courier College Prep and the host of Admissions to Mars. And that's what I hope to do here, leverage my knowledge, insights, and experience to put you in possession of a regularly updated map of the college admissions landscape. Welcome back to Admissions to Mars. The new school year is upon us, and fingers tightly crossed that schools remain in person. Hopefully, that can happen if we all act in the best interest of our respective communities, look out for one another, and especially look out for the health and safety of our kids. Now, as I've mentioned before, Two big action items I have for my students as the calendar flips to September are to have a solid, not a rough, but a solid draft of their main essay complete, along with a good amount of the Common App filled out. Some met these goals, while others are definitely holding on to that summer feeling, but regardless of where they are in the process, be it ahead of the game or still under a beach umbrella, Every one of them has plans to apply early to at least a few schools. Now, when I say apply early, what exactly do I mean? Well, that depends on the student and the application strategy that they're planning to employ. And those strategies, well, that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. And since we're still traversing the COVID-19 landscape with its test optional considerations, uh, It's especially important for students and families to have a handle on the options, the risks and the rewards, the advantages and the disadvantages of the various early application strategies and how they'll impact their chances of admission to the schools on their respective lists. There's a very good chance that as you've been building your college knowledge base and putting that list together, that you've come across terms like early decision, early action, rolling admissions, ED2. These are your application options, and they differ based on the application deadlines, the date that you'll hear a response from the school, and your commitment to attend that school if accepted. In recent years, I'd say the majority of selective colleges and universities, they've added some kind of early admission plan Uh, but there are notable differences between them. So weighing the pros and cons of an early application pathway, whether it's applying ED1, ED2, early action, is critical because, well, using it to your advantage has the potential to, in some cases, substantially boost your admissions chances to your top choice school. So let's get into it. Early decision, ED. Early decision is the ideal play if, capital I, capital F, if a student is 100% head over heels in love with a particular school, can afford to pay full freight if they were to get in, and is okay without ever knowing 
what sort of aid slash scholarship offers they may have received from other schools because you can only apply early decision to that one school. And if they hear yes, they have to pull all the other apps that they might have sent. Now, I can't stress the financial consideration enough. If you apply early decision, you're signaling to a school and they love this signal, that cost is not a consideration. That doesn't mean you won't get any money. It just means you need to be prepared to still go even if you don't. Each and every year I see families play the ED card because they want the edge but are then shocked at the amount of loose change thrown their way when they get their financial aid award letter. To which I say, sorry, that's the game. ED is a binding agreement, and the only out is if you can bring the receipts and show that your financial situation has been negatively impacted since you signed that ED agreement. It's unethical to play it any other way. That doesn't mean that families don't try to get out of it uh, by claiming financial hardship, but that's really the only way you'll get released uh, from the agreement, period. So considerations. The admission rates for ED versus RD, regular decision, they can be as much as two to three or even more times higher. So let me throw some recent stats from the common data set your way. Uh, at Amherst, right? ED admit rate, 31% to a 10% regular decision admit rate. Brown, 176 to 6.3%. At Northwestern, early decision, close to 25% admit rate. Regular decision, it's about seven. And the early decision rates at schools like American or Skidmore, Lehigh and Tufts, they all highlight a distinct statistical advantage to applying early decision. Applying early decision is also arguably the best way out there to demonstrate your interests, right? Because you're telling the school, I love you. You're my top choice. Consider this a proposal. I will attend if you admit me. Since most ED deadlines fall between November 1st and November 15th, students who plan to apply ED, they're usually done testing, that is if they intend to send scores, um, by early October, right? Maybe the latest SAT will take is the early October. Some students might take the late October ACT and then send scores um, that, that run right up against the, the deadline or, or thereafter. But uh, you're basically also, those students are letting their junior year grades do the talking. Schools will eventually get first quarter, first semester grades, but that might not be until after uh, the application has already been read. All right, many selective colleges also offer an ED2, early decision two option, right, which takes place um, later in the admission cycle, and we'll talk about that in a sec. What do the Pathways programs have in common? Most importantly, they're both binding commitments. You're telling the school you love them more than any other school, and if they reciprocate and admit you, you're going, right? You sign that agreement that puts this in writing, and the only legitimate slash, to my mind, ethical way to extricate yourself from the agreement is to demonstrate convincing proof that you can't make the financial aid offer work. You can only apply ED1 or ED2 to a single college at a time. 
And if you're accepted, you have to withdraw any other applications that you submitted. So what if your promposal is rejected, which happens a lot? If it does, you're released from your agreement. And if you're deferred, waitlisted, then your application will still be considered in the regular decision pool, but you're no longer bound to attend. What are the differences between ED1 and ED2? Well, ED1 typically has um, November 1st through November 15th, but typically a November 1st deadline at most schools. And you'll receive an admissions decision by usually December 15th. Some schools earlier, some a little later, but definitely before the regular application deadline. For early decision two, the deadline's usually January 1st, January 15th. And what this means is that you've already heard back from your ED1 school, right? Um, and you've either been rejected or deferred, and you'll probably have applied regular decision to most of the other schools on your list. Um, so if you're admitted ED2, which you'll hear back around mid-February, um, you withdraw those remaining applications. And the other notable difference is acceptance rates. So it is not easy to find early decision two data um, in the way it is you know, early decision one, even combing through the common data set. But logically speaking, your chances are not as good as they are with ED1. And that's because schools, they've already admitted um, a significant number of students and they have a good count on the RD applicants. So they just don't have to rely on ED2 as much to get at that all important yield um, and admission rate. So while applying ED can definitely be an anxiety-ridden decision, and again, keep in mind those considerations above, especially the cost consideration, there's no doubt that it's definitely a pretty sweet setup for the colleges. And that's because schools really care about two things, uh, yield rate and maintaining that air of selectivity. If you recall what yield is from previous episodes, yield, how many admitted students decide to enroll. The more students admitted ED, the less guesswork involved in predicting who will attend and who won't. And enrollment managers, uh, it's a dream. And selectivity. Remember one of the rules of the game you're playing. Select and ultra-selective schools reject more students than they accept. And that increases their selectivity, which in turn ups their rankings and enhances their prestige. Prestige, that all-important non-quantitative driver of rankings. By admitting a higher percentage from the ED1 and ED2 applicant pools, they drive down regular admission rates. And today, many selective schools, they're filling nearly half their spots with ED applicants, which means there's only half as many spots for RD applicants. So how about early action, EA? Early action is another application pathway and to my mind, arguably a better one for students who want to keep their options open and are interested in weighing the different financial aid packages that they will receive. 
it is not a binding commitment. But it's still a good way to show colleges your level of demonstrated interest. And that can be a significant factor in gaining acceptance. Applications must be completed by the college's set deadline, which again, while they vary, they are earlier than regular decision deadlines. Some EAs mirror the ED deadlines. Others are a little bit later in November or even into December, but they fall before the regular decision deadlines. You may have come across or read or heard about uh, restricted early action plans or REA, also called single choice early action, which it's a rare bird. Um, When you apply REA or single choice, what you're doing is you are still signaling to a college that it's your first choice school and you sign an agreement stating you're only going to go early to that school. But, and this is how it differs from ED, you can still apply to other colleges via regular admissions or rolling and apply for early application at public schools as long as they're non-binding, right? Sort of confusing. Uh, the, good, the, the good thing is not many schools at all offer um, this option. Students applying in this way, though, they do need to submit an application early, typically beginning of November again, and you can expect to hear the decision around mid-December. But being accepted restricted early action is non-binding, okay? Another big difference from ED plans. And students have until May 1st, which is decision day, to commit. Students accepted single choice early action, they can wait and weigh options. They get all their RD decisions back. So a lot of degrees of freedom um, here. Non-binding, but again, can only apply to one private school REA. Pretty much uh, restricted as far as what schools offer this to the Ivy League um, and Stanford, a few other schools. So what it is is just kind of like a hybrid between early decision and early action. Regular decision. The application due dates for these applications are between January 1st and 15th, typically, um, but they can range from November 1st to mid-March. Students are usually notified by April 1st, and then they have until May 1st to either accept or decline the offer of admission. Non-binding. RD, there's no formal agreement. Acceptances are non-binding. You choose where to enroll. Great option for students who just want more time to put together their applications, more time to spend on their essays, Uh, improve their standardized test profile. Maybe they want to test through the fall and even the early winter. Um, Maybe they want their first and second semester semester quarter grades to boost their transcript rather than applying, you know, October or early November when they might just have that, if if any, they might just have that one quarter um, to show. So, yeah, there's a reason it's it's probably the most popular application pathway. Remember, if you have, if students have applied ED and they do here, all these RD um, applications still have to be, have to be pulled. Rolling admission, RA, 
Those applications are due anytime, usually between September 1st and May 1st, though the rule of thumb is to send them in as early as possible, um, typically September or October of your senior year, because RA schools, they accept students until there are no more seats on the bus, right? And until their enrollment capacity is reached. So I always tell my students, if you're ready, if you have your recommendations in, your essays are written, you're happy with them, you're done testing, and you are someone who just wants to know early and get some of these applications off your plate, go RA. Uh, you usually receive a decision within a few weeks um, after submission. So that's really appealing to, uh, to a good number of students. If you submit your RA application you know, now, this episode mid mid September, you could hear as soon as as early October. You can apply to as many RA schools as you want. It is non-binding. There is no commitment to attend, and just like with RD, May first is your decision day. Well-known schools such as Pitt, Michigan State University, Rutgers, Penn State, all use rolling admissions. Great option for students who just. They've been doing it over the summer. They're raring to go. They want to get a few out of the way even before they apply maybe EA or, or ED. Um, again, if they're accepted ED while the RA applications are still out there, those have to be, have to be pulled as well. In closing, deciding how to apply and when, those are important pieces of the search and selection application process. So do the research, crunch the numbers, and think through why a certain pathway makes more sense for your situation. For some students, ED is absolutely the way to go if you're viewing it clear-eyed through a Hunger Games lens, right? The odds are definitely in their favor at a number of schools. But those students need to understand how the game is played and be prepared to make the necessary commitments, namely the financial consideration. For each and every one of my students year in and year out, the goal is to put together the most thoughtfully considered application strategies possible. And that usually involves a combination of early and regular decision options because what that allows us to do is we can capitalize on the landscape, um, take advantage of statistically significant you know, situations and maximize uh, the admissions outcomes. Those should be your goals as well and hopefully this episode helped that cause. That's always my hope. That's why I do what I do and so if you found this to be the case please spread the word share the knowledge subscribe and until next time be good and be good at it <laughs>